Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Carmen Poliafito. I'm here today with Dr. Nadia Wahid, who is a, a professor at the Tufts University School of Medicine and a member of the retina faculty at the New England Eye Center. Also, I should say, one of the, co the directors of the Boston Image Reading Center. Can't forget about that. Nadia, welcome to Retina Synthesis. Thank you so much for having me today, Carmen. It's absolutely yeah. a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great. It's great to have you. We've been wanting to have you on from the very, very beginning of our uh, our publication. Thank you. Today, we'd like to talk a little bit about microperimetry and its potential role in evaluating eyes with geographic atrophy. Can you tell the audience what microperimetry is and how it's done? Um, absolutely. So, microperimetry is a functional test of the retina. Um, and it's it's nice because uh, what happens is you project small stimuli onto uh, the central retina, um, and patients respond by uh, you know pressing a buzzer or uh, and you and you look at their response, um, and you titrate up and down the the light stimulus that's presented onto the fundus. So it has a few advantages over traditional functional testing. One is um, that it's very closely mapped to the structure. So you can do structure function correlation. It, the second piece is it doesn't just test the fovea. It tests an entire area and you can map out how big of an area you want tested. Um, and so, uh, so it provides that granular uh, structure function correlation. Also, um, you can track, especially with the newer devices, you can track a uh, change in signal over time. Um, so you can uh, test patients repeatedly and follow up the same areas of the retina and see how they change, um, you know, over over a certain period of time. Um, and I think those are the three big things that make it ideal for um, testing a disease such as uh, such as geographic atrophy. How how long does the test the test take per eye? So it's it's variable. I think that if you have a, a completely normal subject that, um, you know, they can generally do it depending on the density and the grid that you use about 10 minutes per eye. I think it's longer if you test patients who have poor vision or poor fixation. Um, and so typically we're looking at between 10 to 20 minutes per eye. So the, um, the structural correlate, is it a fundus photograph, an autofluorescence image, an OCT? What is it? Um, so the, the structural correlate that, that you get from uh, the device itself looks very much like uh, a fundus photograph. It's a, it's a black and white uh, fundus image. Um, and of course, once you have that fundus image and the cross-correlated points, you can then go back and register with whatever other imaging modality you want to. But the one that comes out from the device itself is, is a fundus image. Mm -hmm. So in one of the Apella studies, microperimetry was used to assess eyes. And which one of those studies was it? Uh, so it was in the Oaks trial. In the Oaks trial. Mm -hmm. And you were involved with a study that uh, that uh, was was performed. Can you tell us about the study? Um, absolutely. So so it was it was a somewhat unique idea back uh, you know when when Apellus was starting their uh, phase three clinical trials and they had gotten feedback from um, especially the European regulators um, saying that that they would like to see um, some kind of a functional signal. And I think a lot of the emerging data seems to suggest that, you know, unlike visual acuity, which is not a great way to follow uh, patients with geographic atrophy, that, that's something that's, um, you know, that has a structure function, kind of a mapping like microperimetry may be, may be a good way uh, to follow these patients. And, and to give credit where credit is due, a lot of phenomenal work coming out from Robin Geimer's lab, 
uh, from Vasada's uh, group around, um, you know, microbiomimicry uh, back uh, when the Oak study was starting. Um, and so uh, the, uh, you know, fellas uh, guys um, discussed it with us and, and we thought that that it may be forward thinking to integrate uh, microperimetry into um, clinical trials of, of geographic atrophy. So in the Oak study, which was, as you know, a randomized control trial looking at Pepsidacoplan uh, in patients with geographic atrophy, and it tested every week Pepsidacoplan, every other week, pe uh, sorry, every month uh, Pepsidacoplan, every other month Pepsidacoplan, um, and then uh, an untreated control group, uh, all of these patients were uh, offered microperimetry and microperimetry was integrated uh, within the Oaks clinical study as, as one of the uh, mandatory assessments, except for patients who, for some reason, could not complete the microperimetry uh, assessment uh, itself. Um, and it was rolled across over a hundred sites uh, across you know, uh, the US and, the, uh, and Europe. Um, and was used to follow these patients up over time. Um, and of course, the nice piece is that uh, it's structurally registered from one visit to the other. Uh, the endpoints in microperimetry, because functional endpoints take longer to express than structural endpoints do, uh, were assessed at uh, you know, a year at, uh, and at two years. And, and really the microperimetry analysis was designed to be conducted at two years um, at the end of the, of the study at that point. And so what were the findings? So um, really interesting, uh, what we saw, uh, you know, and, and what we expected to see as with visual acuity, as with any other uh, functional endpoint that kind of just looks at the entirety of the area, we don't see very nice uh, separation between uh, patients who are treated and untreated, uh, just because, uh, you know, when, when you're looking at just means or averages, they're, they're scanning over a large area. And, and most of that area is occupied by geographic atrophy already, the dead zone. Um, but um, you know, one of the one of the um, exploratory analysis that was conducted was one that was designed uh, at the Boston Imaging Center in collaboration uh, with uh, uh, Eric Mould at MIT. Uh, looked at perilesional analysis, and what this analysis really does is it looks at the zone at risk uh, in patients with geographic. Mm -hmm which is a zone immediately surrounding uh, the area of geographic atrophy into which we expect the geographic atrophy to grow. Uh, and when we looked at that zone at risk in these patients, we found that there was a very strong trend, very similar to what was happening in the structural data, that there was a very strong trend of separation between the untreated uh, group and the treated groups. Uh, and we found that that trend tended to increase uh, as time went by. So, so the trend was bigger, the, the separation, the differentiation between treated and untreated groups uh, was greater at uh, 24 months than it was um, at 12 months, uh, which was greater than it was at six months. Um, so, so really, um, you know, encouraging functional data, when you look at, uh, at that zone at risk, at that region at risk, which is the very lesional zone of the, of the geographic atrophy. So what it really shows is that not only does the area of growth is diminished in the study, but the, the function of the preserved retina is evidence that the drug is working? Absolutely. I mean, it shows what we had known all along, that if you can stop uh, the, you know, the photoreceptors and the RPE uh, from degenerating, or if you can slow down the degeneration, that you will slow down functional loss. Uh, in the areas in which uh, you're, you know, you're slowing or stopping uh, ellipsoid zone and, and retinal pigment epithelium loss. Um, so I think, um, you know, very nice endorsement. And, you know, what was 
What was really interesting to me was how all the data pointed in the same direction and all the data was coherent. So the structural data obviously showed that, that you know, over time you slow down growth of GA, but the functional data also showed that in an equivalent manner, you were also slowing down loss of function over time. Yeah. Um, and so that, that was a really interesting piece, I think, around this data. That's really terrific. Were you surprised? I, I was not surprised because we expected that, right? We always know, and we've known looking at OCT scans that, you know, and, and patients have told us this, right? That as you lose more and more structure, that these patients are struggling more function. I think what I was really delighted at was that we were able to, you know, we were able to craft an endpoint that really interrogates this functional decline and is able to show that differentiation. And you know, when we started the study, we knew that that would be the case, right? Just intellectually, you know that you know it's coherent with what patients are complaining of. That if you really focus on the very lesional area, that you should be able to show that they're slowing down a functional loss. Uh, but I think the really exciting part was actually seeing it play out and actually seeing how um, you know how similar it was to what we were seeing in the in the structural loss. So I I won't say surprised, but but really happy that we were able to pull this out and. You know that was exciting. So in the study, did did they did you study the all the edges of all the islands of geographic atrophy? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. Um, and, and the answer is yes, we did. Right. So uh, so we set two fifty uh, microns from uh, the the margin of the GA, and for multifocal lesions, that meant that uh, it was two fifty microns from the margins of each one of the GAs. So the computer. Uh, program that had been generated at the Boston Image Reading Center, as I mentioned, with uh, Yasin Alibai and, and Eric Molt uh, leading uh, this, this drive. And, and, you know, special credit to Yasin, who, um, you know, was a very innovative thinker around this. Um, you know, the, the software that's designed creates 250 microns uh, perimeter around all of the lesions, uh, including the multiple lesions in multifocal um, uh, GA lesions, uh, and then looks at the entirety of that area, yes. So that's a that's a very powerful study then. It, it, we thought that the results were really powerful and interesting, yes. So, so back in the real world, how do you think microperimetry could be used by a clinician in examining eyes with geographic atrophy? Is there a way forward for that? So I think that's a that's a great question. I think microperimetry is is not an easy uh, test to do for these patients, especially patients who have uh, poor fixation. Um, and so I think, as far as a clinical trial tool goes, that that it's a great clinical trial tool to have. I don't think that it's something that we would routinely use in clinical practice. However, having said that. There are certain things that I think uh, make it useful in clinical practice. For example, if, if over the long term you're following patients up, you don't necessarily need to do fancy analyses or a very complicated microperimetry protocol, but even just looking at their fixation area and looking at, you know, BCEA, which is a measure of fixation stability on, on microperimetry, um, can sometimes tell us something that visual acuity alone cannot, which is that patients are having a harder and harder time. Um, you know, staying focused, uh, being able to read or track objects when they're driving and, and can really show us how the disease progresses. I think in select cases where patients are complaining about some of these things, and, and that's not really evident when you look at their, um, you know, fundus photographs or fundus autofluorescence 
uh, that microfilmography uh, could have an important role to play in those patients to document that decline function that happens with GA and to show that, wow. I suppose that if you had geographic atrophy that was threatening the fovea, you could study the edge that faces the fovea and look at that very carefully. Would that be reasonable? Um, you absolutely could, yeah. And and that's also the edge, of course, that gives you, you know, the fixation stability. So so both you would expect the um, the individual stimuli uh, to, uh, you know, the individual areas of the retina to decrease in their ability to see. You would also expect in these patients that edge that faces the fovea to become more and more fixationally unstable. Um, and, and you could use that to document uh, that a patient's visual vision was declining. Um, my hope is that we have relatively broad, a uh, relatively broad hand to treat patients who we think would be appropriate to treat with some of the newer medications that will get approved. Because uh, I think that's really what we need to be able to do. Uh, but of course, in situations where you might need to document that, I think microfilmography can be very useful. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's exciting. The, the, all the discussion of Derby and Oaks has really been around area not about preservation of function. That's so I think this is a powerful argument that needs to be brought forward. So I hope you, I hope this is published quickly. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm looking forward to that. And, and I, I um, you know, hope that too. And I, I think there's a manuscript that's in preparation right now and, and getting ready to get submitted. So uh, same, I, I really look forward to this. Well, I know our listeners are going to be interested and viewers are going to be interested in hearing about this. So Nadia, thanks so much for coming on board to Retina Synthesis. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Same, it's been lovely. Thank you so much, Karen.